before we get into all that, um, it's a, I don't know if you've heard, it's a special day. And uh, I want to I do today's service. I want to I wanna, uh, honor the day uh, being our birthday. I want to give, give credit to people, that, um, to all of you that have been here. Um, as I was sitting there writing my thoughts about the year, the number one thing that came to my mind was, I just can't believe you guys keep coming back every single week. I just, I, just, I just think, man, it's incredible that you guys come back week after week after week. But to be honest, I actually do know why you keep coming back. And that is because I know and I believe that what we have to offer has been changing lives, right? It's been changing lives, and it has the power to change a community. And I believe that we're on the cusp of a modern-day spiritual awakening in New England that will lead to a modern-day revival for America. And we're a part of it. You are a part of it. You're a part of what God is doing. It has absolutely nothing to do with us, even though we are involved. And so, as I, as I thought about, about that, you know, I, I thought about um, the last year. How many of you are thankful that this year it's a whole lot warmer than it was last year at this time? Come on, somebody. It was, it was zero degrees last year, and we had over 300 people show up uh, at the refuge to welcome us into the world. And on that day, uh, I read a letter that I had written to the church. And what I thought would be appropriate is for me to read you that letter again today. It says this, Dear Refuge Church, Today you take your first breath in a cruel, cruel world. But I have good news for you. You were... You were born to offer compassion to its cruelty. The compassion that you offer is nothing that you have because of you, because of your pastor, because of where you are located. This compassion that you offer is found in one man, Jesus Christ. He is the one that died so that you can exist. But he didn't stay in the grave. He came back to life to offer hope to this world. You will always point people to him so that they can find their way back home to him. There are some pretty nasty pictures of Jesus that exist in this world. But you will always strive to be the most beautiful picture of Jesus that anyone has ever laid their eyes on. As your pastor, your leader, I promise to always make this about him and about him alone. Welcome to the world, Refuge Church. It's been waiting for you. Love, Pastor Adam Harold.
DS. Year one has been far from perfect. If it were perfect, I would be scared. And you should be too. If it were perfect. But this year has been everything that I expected it to be and so much more. It's been fun. It's been scary. It's been adventurous. And it's been heartbreaking. All things that I anticipated. But above all of these things, it's been rewarding. And once again, the reward has nothing to do with anything that we have done. But the reward, the rewards have been because of God's faithfulness. And he is faithful. And he will carry us for many, many more years to come because of his faithfulness. The end. I am privileged to stand here and uh, just reflect on this year. But to be honest, if I was the only voice that you would hear, I would be doing you a disservice. So I want you to hear it from some of your voices. I'm just feeling the need like I, I needed something. And my friend, Brooke reached out to me on a particular Saturday night and sent me a text and said, I'm going to go to church tomorrow morning on Sunday, and I'd love for you to join me if you'd like. No pressure, but I'd, I'd love for you to come. And when I received that text, it happened to be at a time where I was like, yeah, I would, would love to come to church tomorrow morning. And that was the first time that I've actually <laughs> ever said the words, I I want to go to church. My experience with church, as little as it was um, growing up, wasn't something that I wanted. I was in a real bad spot, actually. Um, I was home four years from the Marine Corps, going through divorce, uh, battling alcoholism, PTSD, and things. Neither one of us were really raised with any religion, um, but also we were raised in two different homes mm -hmm. because I grew up with my dad with our mom. My name is Jill Henry. My name is Mike Butterfield. I'm Coral Brady and this is my little brother. Austin Buck. As a child, once I got really involved in sports, it seemed like church kind of got pushed to the side and we stopped going to church. I also was transitioning from leaving the Marine Corps and trying to find my home and a new relationship and a new family. Uh, and I just felt like something was missing. Well, from an early age, I was looking for something always. And un instead of finding God, Early on, um, I found demons, so to speak, and, uh, you know, those demons led me down a path um, of destruction for my life for a very long time. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I really needed something, um, but I had some friends that maybe noticed that I needed something, and I was dealing with some um, 
anxiety and maybe some struggles with some relationships that I'm going through and um, friends who are not well. It was something that happened about two months into being at the refuge when I sat down in service one day and it was like the pastor was speaking directly to me and I remember it wasn't one thing he said. I broke out into tears because for the first time, I truly felt like I believed with every cell in my body. And I don't want to spend another day, another minute of my life, not having a relationship with God from this point forward. I, at that moment, just felt God's presence and felt Him lift this weight off my shoulders that I hadn't been able to let go of for a long time. Years of battling uh, different things in my life, especially things in Afghanistan. I was missing that I was always searching for early on, which I filled with the booze and drugs during my bad days, um, you know, and then filled with spirituality during my early recovery, and my recovery up until the past year or so is now filled with God. But I don't feel like I'm handling it alone anymore. Everything that happens, whether it be good or bad, can be Now I get to stand here and talk to you for 20 or 30 minutes. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but uh, that was powerful, wasn't it? Uh, we will be uh, sharing that on Facebook and uh, social media so that you can share that with your friends. Uh, just to, to share just a few stories, we, we realize that those are only a few. I know that there are many more of you that us being here has impacted. And uh, we, I, I hesitate 
even sharing this with you, but there's been, um, on Sundays for the last year, there's been 8,462 people walk through these doors. There's been, there's been 57 people have their lives changed to Jesus that are on record. An average of 163 people in, on attendance on a Sunday morning. Those numbers, I don't share with them with you. I don't share them with you to to like to help lead you in any way or to inspire you. I share those numbers with you to tell you that what we are experiencing, especially in New England, those numbers are phenomenal for any church plant in any part of the country. But for in New England alone, those are absolutely through the roof numbers that only God can do. But the numbers, the numbers aren't what we're wrapped up in. The numbers don't make us come back next Sunday. Your faces do. Your stories do. Those three stories that we just heard are why we're here. And that's just a glimmer, just a glimpse of the stories that we know. But that's also why it's so important for you to share your story so that we can know it, so that we can share it. That's why we have stories, right? So that we can share them with each other. And this morning, as, as I thought about what I would speak on, on our first birthday, I thought that it would be appropriate for me to talk about something that I believe uh, we need to, to focus on moving forward. So we don't want to just stand here and, and look back to the past and look back at the last year because the last year has been incredible. And we could very easily get stuck staying looking at the 337 people that we had on launch day or the 8,000 people that we've had come through the doors over the last year, we could very easily get stuck staying there, but we don't want to get stuck staying there because we know that God has a lot bigger things for us. Amen. We know that he has a lot greater picture, not just for us as a church, but for you as a person, for you as an individual. We're here for you. And so if we're going to move forward, then I want to look at something that I believe is the key to everything moving forward. It's the key that's going to unlock success in your life and in our life. And this series, it's not just about being successful. It's not just about succeeding, although it will, I believe, I know it will help you be more successful. And what's great about it is it doesn't matter. I mean, number one what's great about it is that I think all of us, 100% of the room would say, I would like more success in my life. I hope so. I hope so. But it doesn't matter if you, if you've been successful in talking a really pretty girl that is way out of your league into marrying you. That's successful. Come on. You can laugh. Right? It doesn't matter if your success is talking a pretty girl into marrying you. Or if you've won the Nobel Prize, it doesn't matter how successful you've been. This key to everything we're talking about, this key to everything we're talking about will help you be successful moving forward. And so that's why we're talking about it for 
for the next four weeks leading up to Easter, we're going to take it to Easter. And um, I'm super pumped about it. Um, now, I realize saying that the key to every, this is the key to everything, that could sound pretty arrogant. After only being a year old, uh, your pastor has it all figured out. That's exactly what I'm trying to tell you this morning, and that's, that's far from the truth. Far from the truth. Um, but I do believe that the key to everything is, is, is being teachable. Being teachable. Um, this series is based on a book by, by a pastor named Matt Keller. He pastors Next Level Church in Fort Myers Beach, Florida. If you ever find yourself in Fort Myers Beach, Florida, uh, you have my permission to go check out Next Level Church. He is a phenomenal leader. And how many of us wish we were in Fort Myers Beach, Florida this morning? We all do. So, the key to everything is being teachable. And teachability is kind of a funny word. Um, it's something that we think that, you might think as you sit there, that uh, there's, there may not be a whole lot of information out there about being teachable. But there really is. Uh, because if there wasn't much material about it, we wouldn't have four weeks to talk about it. Um, but for four weeks, we're going to talk about being teachable. And the goal of this series is very simple. The entire series goal is we want to help you achieve your God-given potential, right? We believe that there's potential in all of you, and we want to see you achieve that potential. I hope um, I hope you like our new our new uh, worship guides that we have today. Um, we don't have notes that like you fill in the blank because I want you to pay attention and not just sit there and wait for the next blank because that's how I learn. I sit there and I wait for the next blank. But I want you to be able to write down whatever you want um, on the back of those. There's a place for notes. But also, as always, you can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app. Um, all of the notes are there. There will be notes on the screen. Um, and so... Um, as, as we put them up, feel free to, to write them down. But write, start by writing down that the key to everything is teachability. The key to everything is teachability. And the goal of our series is for you, to help you achieve your God-given potential. To help you achieve your God-given potential. My goal today, my goal today is simply to talk you into discovering that you need teachability so much to bring you back next week and to have you, to convince you so much that you tell somebody and bring them with you, come to this church that I have found the key to everything in my life. And I think that um, hopefully today we can accomplish that. That's the goal. About two weeks ago, my wife and I, we, uh, we went down to Birmingham, Alabama uh, that is the headquarters of the organization that helped us start the church called ARC. Um, that stands for the Association of Related Churches. Um, ARC has started over 750 churches in 16 years with a 93% success rate. That's pretty good. And um, so they, they, they know what they're doing. And ARC invited us to come down to help coach, um, to help coach other church planners that are starting to tell you how great God has been to the Refuge Church, they only invite the top 5% of churches to be present there as coaches. 
The Refuge Church is in the top 5% of launches of 750 churches. Come on, that's good. All right, have I already put you to sleep? Have I already put you to sleep? So, um, I mean, it's, it's the light. We're having a hard time with the lights today because, as you can tell, um, after being a year old, we haven't figured out how to turn on the lights in our own building. So I, I hope that, that the lights don't, don't lull you to sleep, and I hope that you're able to stay engaged. Like, this is a very responsive talk. Like, you're, you're welcome to, to, to interact with me. So, um, so top 5% of church planners get to go and, and help coach um, other guys and, 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 and wives, men and women, that are starting churches. And while we were there... Um, it was our very first time ever um, teaching and coaching. And, and I had coached my son's basketball team, my son's baseball team, but I didn't know if I could coach guys and, and, and women, men and women to start churches. I know that I had done one. I had started a church, but I had no idea I could actually, like, coach them into doing that. And um, it's a good thing that ARC is so good because they, they taught us and showed us how to teach them into, um, into being coachable and, and teachable and, and starting a church. And the number one thing that they told us to look for in our people, in our, in our couples that we're coaching, is just how teachable they are. Because teachability is, is, is it'll lead you to success. I believe that a lot of our success has been because I had a man by the name of Pastor Derek Fry look at me. And say, say, Adam, every pastor needs a pastor. Who is your pastor? And I said, well, my dad. My dad's always been my pastor. And uh, he said, that's good. My dad was my pastor growing up too. And I know exactly how you feel. You need a pastor. You need someone to lead you. And it can't be your daddy. Because your daddy's going to love you no matter what. And so I looked at him and I said, would you be my pastor? And he said, let me pray about it. <laughs> Rejection has been a common theme in Adam Harrell's life. Although, I, I praise God that he didn't reject me. He, he prayed about it, and he said, yeah, I'll be your pastor. Come and work for me. That's exactly what he said. Um, offered me a job, and he said, I know you're going to start this church, but just know that you have a plan B. You're welcome to come and work for me at any time. And uh, I don't say, I don't tell you that story to pat myself on the back um, because then I, it was my turn to reject him. And uh, I re- that wasn't funny? Okay. <laughs> it was my turn to reject him. And, uh, and, and we, we ended up starting the Refuge Church. And uh, without that conversation, I wouldn't be here. So last, yesterday I wrapped up a, a season of basketball, coaching my son's basketball team. Third and fourth grade basketball players. Um, it, was, uh, it was a long season. And uh, when, I was, when I was coaching these basketball players, uh, teaching them basketball, I had, I had one goal. To have fun, of course. Right? Um, 
the second goal that I had was to get them to listen. That's all I wanted to do was just to get these third and fourth grade boys to get to listen. If you have a third or fourth grade boy, you know exactly how challenging that was. But um, I think I'd rather start a church than get a third or fourth grader to, uh, to, to, to listen to me. But um, my goal was to get them to listen because I knew that if I could get them to listen, then we would have fun and we would eventually win some, some basketball games. And, um, like, I made them listen so, so much that um, if I blew a whistle in practice and, and, like, told them to do something and they shot a basketball right after the whistle, I'd say, all right, everybody on the line, we're going to run because you shot the ball when you weren't supposed to. And they would line up, and I'd make them run a ladder, and, and then they'd be done, and then we'd go on with practice. And every single time, I would always interrupt practice just to get them to listen. The reason why listening is so vital to, to playing ball and to athletics is because when you listen, you are being teachable in that moment, I hope. And so... I knew if I could teach these boys to be teachable, coachable, then we would win some games and have some fun. And so, um, I don't have everything figured out when it comes to teachability, but that's why I'm excited about the next four weeks where we can talk about it and we can hopefully learn together. So what does the Bible have to say about being teachable? That's the question, right? Because um, why would we be here if you were just going to hear some guy talk? You could, you could turn on YouTube and listen to TED Talks all day. That's not what this is. This is to open God's Word and to allow it to instruct us and to teach us. And so um, in your Bibles and also on the screen and in your notes, um, in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, remember... That the goal of this series is to get you to, to reach your potential. So we're going to start with potential, right? And, and in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things. That he had planned for us long ago. God has good things for us to do. And we are to reach that potential. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, Jeremiah the pro prophet wrote, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Come on. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. This verse is all about potential and you reaching that potential that God has for you. But ladies and gentlemen, if you want to reach the potential that God has for you, you have to start with being teachable. I believe that God wants what's best for all of us. Therefore, God always, so I believe that God wants what is best for all of us, and therefore God always wants our best. I really messed that up the first time I said it, so let me say it again. I want what, or I believe that God always wants what's best for us. Therefore, God always wants us to give him our best. The only way, the only way to reach your full potential, this is in your notes, the only way to reach your full potential is to remain 
unteachable. A better way to say it is like this. Someone can have all the right stuff, but not be teachable. And what they have is lost potential. All the right stuff minus teachability equals loss of potential. All the right talent, all the right gifts, all the right charisma, all the right everything, good looks, all of it. You can possess all of that stuff, and if you're not teachable, what you have is lost potential. In the book of Proverbs chapter 9, verse 9, in the New Living Translation, it says this, Instruct the wise, and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous, and they will learn even more. If we want to be righteous in our lives, we have to be willing to learn. Proverbs 17, verse 10, in the message translation, put it like this. A quiet rebuke to a person of good sense does more than a whack on the head of a fool. That's why I love to read the, the message translation, because it talks like I do. The quiet rebuke of a person of good sense does more than the whack on the head of a fool. Here's the thing about teachability. It's more than just having the ability to be taught, which I think that when I say teachability, your definitions of teachability come to your mind, and you're just like, well, I have to listen, and I have to be able to, um, to be taught. It's, it's so much more than that. And so I want to give you two words, just two words today to describe teachability to you. The first word, number one, write it down, is the word desire. The word desire. Teachability always begins and ends with desire. You got to have a little want to. You got to have a little want to. Everyone has heard the saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Look at your neighbor and say, drink up. Look at your neighbor and say, drink up. Because we have to be willing to drink the water that we're being led to. And so when it comes to desire, there are three specific types of desire when it comes to teachability. Number one, the type of desire that you have to have is you have to desire to become better. You have to desire to become better. What's great about this is you can put anything in the blank to be a better mom, to be a better husband, to be a better servant of Jesus. To be a better citizen in society. You can fill in the blank. So let me ask you this morning, what is it that you want to be better at? Let's make it about you. This isn't about us. As a, as a church, it's about you this morning. What is it that you want to be better at? So you have to have a desire to be better, number one. Number two... You have to have the desire to change. The desire to change. So you have to have the desire to be better. You have to have the desire to change. Now, I know that change can be scary. Trust me. And I don't want to make this about me, but moving my family 1,300 miles to Maine to start a church was a whole lot of change. 
We knew zero people in town. All I knew was that God had a, a plan for me. So, so God had a plan, number one, to change me. But God's plan to change me was hopefully a result of changing you. And hopefully so many others. You know how I knew that God wanted to change me to, in starting a church? You know how the number one reason how I knew that God wanted change for my life? Was because I was comfortable. The reason I knew God wanted change in my life was because I found myself being comfortable. I was a student pastor at a church that was growing. We had about 350 people on, um, on a Sunday morning, maybe a little more than that. We had um, a, a pastor um, that had just become the pastor because, it's a long story. I'm not going to get into all that this morning. But um, basically, I was set up to be the next pastor at this church of 350, 400 people. Um, my pastor was 62, 63 years old. Um, and he, so he was approaching retirement, and I was right in line to be the next pastor. We had had conversations about me being the next pastor of the church. And I looked at my situation, and I said, I'm too comfortable here. This is too easy. And God began speaking to my heart about getting uncomfortable. Ladies and gentlemen, God doesn't want you to remain comfortable. Here's why. Because the enemy of the desire to become better is comfort. You can write that down. That's also, I think, on the screen. The enemy of the desire to become better is comfort. Comfort and familiarity will not lead you to seeing your dreams come true. Being comfortable and familiar will not lead you to seeing your dreams come true in your life. One of our cultural values, one of the, 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 the values of culture that we want to build at the Refuge Church, we want to inspire people to be dreamers and risk takers, not settling their dreams but always remain dreams in their life. If you have a dream in your heart, we want to help you accomplish that dream. I hope and I pray for the day that we see dreams come true at the Refuge Church. I believe that we already are seeing dreams come true at the Refuge Church. But comfort and familiarity will rob you of your dreams if you allow them to. So you have to have, the number one, the desire to become better. Number two, you have to have the desire to change. And number three, you have to have the desire to learn. The desire... To learn. If I've learned one thing from starting a church, I have learned that I do not, nor have I ever, known everything that there is about being a pastor. I've learned in the last year that I know a whole lot of nothing. That's what I've learned. Because I've had to grow into helping, into leading people, into leading a church, into making financial decisions for a church, into um, 
making vision decisions for a church. You always have to be willing to learn. So, so check this out. You've got, you have to be better. You have to have the desire to be better. You have the desire to change. And you have to have the desire to learn. Notice how all three of those desires work together. Because the way it works is when you have the desire to be better, you now have the desire to change. And then when you have the desire to change, you now have the desire to learn even more. And to become Ultimately, it's to become better. So the first word is desire. Say desire. The second word is willingness. 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 So you have to have the desire and you have to have willingness. There are two types of willingness that you have to have. There were three types of desire. There's two types of willingness. Number one, you have to have the desire I'm sorry, you have to have the willingness to learn something new. You have to have the willingness to learn something new. I think that this gets harder and harder as you get older and older. And I'm only 37 years old. There are things in my life that I'm like, no, I don't want to learn how to do that. I'm good. I want to thank smartphones for teaching people to learn something new, right? Like, because we all have smartphones these days because really you have no choice um, to have smartphones although I know some of you have flip phones uh, which I love I think they're, they're so vintage I love it like every time I see somebody on a flip phone I'm like that person's vintage he's cool that's the hipster in me coming out um, so smartphones have, have, have always made us like teachable um, because now they have these apps that pull, that pop up and um, apps that you can that you can download and, and, and most recently I was thinking about um, my desires or my willingness to learn um, this last week and uh, I was reminded of this app that I did not want anything to do with I did not want to learn it it was it was stupid and it was um, and it just didn't have a whole lot of of meaning for me it was it was called snapchat I did not want to n- learn snapchat until my daughter, who is 12 years old now, came to me. She was 11 at the time. She said, Dad, I really want to download Snapchat for my iPod, please. I'm like, but I don't know anything about it. And parents, listen, if your kids come to you and they ask you if they can do something that, they know no, that you know nothing about it, you better, you better learn real quick. You better want to learn real quick. And so I went and I downloaded Snapchat. And I quickly learned that she will never be downloading Snapchat. Never. You have to be willing to learn something new. The second thing that you have to be willing to do is you have to have the willingness. This is good. Like, get your pencil ready. You have to have the willingness to relearn what you think you already know. You have to have the willingness to relearn what you think you all already know. Back in January, uh, during the 21 days of prayer, God really spoke to me about being healthy. Um, all around health. 
not just um, not just uh, like working out and eating better, uh, but just all around mental, spiritual health for for me. And because I believe that when I'm healthy, our church will be healthy. And so God really spoke to me about getting healthy. And um, when when He did. Uh, I knew that he was talking about more than just going to the gym and more than just eating better. And so um, I have this friend whose name is Adrian Kaler um, that I went to high school with. And Adrian is a, he's an executive level coach for um, like top level executives and in, in, in companies. I could name for you companies that he's working with and um, you'd, you'd be impressed and Adrian wouldn't, wouldn't want me to do that. But um, when I knew that God wanted me to get healthy, um, I, I knew that I needed one of two things. I either needed therapy, which, which I believe is good. I believe that, that pastors need therapy of some sort. They need to talk to somebody. Pastors have got to talk to somebody. And so because I knew I had to talk to somebody, I knew I, I either needed therapy or I needed a coach. I needed somebody to help me. And, and really what I've learned is that the two really go hand in hand. When, you, when you're learning, you're developing and you're getting healthier. And when you go to a therapist, you're getting things off, the ch- off your chest and you're learning about your past and you're, you're developing some things, which, which, is, which is great. And from my very first coaching call with Adrian, um, I knew that this is what I needed and, and it's, it's helping me get healthy. Adrian told me a story about how um, he... He went into uh, to Nike in, in New York City, actually. Um, there's, a, there's a branch of Nike there. And he was presenting a, um, he was making a presentation about, about coaching there. And um, he opened up his talk with a quote that comes out of Phil Knight's book, Shoe Dog. Um, but it's, it's not a Phil Knight quote. It's a, it's a quote by a, a Zen master by the name of Shunryu Suzuki. And when I read this quote, when, and, and so, so this last week, the reason why Adrian comes into play is because um, when, when I was in my coaching call with him this last week, he actually gave me this quote. Um, and I thought, wow, that's good. I'm going to write it down and I'm going to share it with, with my church. I'm going to share it with people because this is what it said. He said, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, but in the expert's mind, there are few. In the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, but in the expert's mind, there are few. We must always be willing to learn something new, ladies and gentlemen. But we also have to always be willing to relearn something that we think that we're an expert at. And here's where your desire and your willingness come together. Your desire and your willingness come together from, from the basis, to form the basis of your teachability. Let me say that again. Your willingness and your desire tum, come together to form your basis for teachability. And so the way it looks is you're able to take your desire and your willingness and you're, be, you're able to actually put on paper exactly how teachable you are. In his book, Train Your Brain for Success, author Roger Seip 
provides for us a formula to determine teachability, and this is what it looks like. Desire to learn times your willingness to change equals your level of teachability. I think that's on the screen. Your desire to learn times your willingness to change equals your level of teachability. We can take this even a step further. Seek says that you can actually assign a number to your desire. So, I, And I told you that just a minute ago. I'm going to explain it for you. So if you were to, to number, and, and I think we have a, have a chart that, 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 that they're going to put down. You can write this in your notes if you have room. Um, write down 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, on, on, in, one co- in a column up and down. And then right next to that one n- number, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And then on the side, write your desire. And on the bottom, write your willingness. Your willingness. Remember, it goes back to what you want to become better at, right? So you can take anything on the, like, that you want to become better at, and you can figure out just how teachable you are in that area. My, uh, my, my favorite things, so, so this last week, I, I did this multiple times. I'd say, uh, being a better pastor, where am I? All right, being a better husband, where am I? Being a better father, where am I? But the one that really, really got me was um, getting in shape. Where am I? And uh, I, I thought about that because really it's, it, it's, it's easy to do. It's easy to, to figure out. And so what I did was I said, so my desire to get in shape, I really want six-pack abs or bad. I really want to be able to lift heavy, heavy things. And I really, really want to be able to walk on my hands across the stage. I do. That'd be cool. I really, really, really want to be able to do this thing called a muscle up in the gym where you're pulling yourself up on these rings. And I really want to be able to do those things. So, but, but I'm getting old. <laughs> So I'm not going to put myself at a 10. Like, I don't really want to do those because I know I'm running out of time. So I'm going to give myself an 8. Like, I, I, I want those about an 8 level. So I'm an 8. And, uh, and then I, I got to the willingness part. <laughs> Come on, you know that's where you all struggle when it comes to going to the gym. I got to the willingness part. And I thought about it. And, and actually... I didn't realize just how willing I am to go to the gym until um, as I got closer to giving this talk. Because originally I gave myself about a, I think it was a four that I gave myself. But really I realized I actually pay for a gym membership. So I don't always go to the gym every morning. And, and I pay a lot of money to go to the gym. So I'm at least willing to pay for the gym membership. Right? My problem is I'm not willing to give up the time to go. I'm willing to go and do the work. I mean, I think if you, if, if you were to talk to my, my coach, my, my personal trainer that I pay to, to go to in, in the gym at this CrossFit place I go to, like he would tell you, man, Adam actually works hard when he's in here because I'm willing to do the work. I'm just unwilling to roll out of bed at 5.15 in the morning, 4.15 in the morning to go to the gym because it's early. So I gave myself 
Originally, I gave myself a four, but this morning, I realized I'm actually paying for that membership, so I bumped it up to a five. So my teachability level when it comes to getting in shape is a 40. That's not very good on a scale of 100, ladies and gentlemen. That's a failing grade. So how teachable do you want to be? What do you want to be better at? And how willing are you to get there? Believe it or not, talking about teachability, um, I believe has some spiritual implication. That's why we're talking about it. This isn't just a self-help talk. This isn't just about your personal growth. This is about helping you get closer to Jesus. And there are some of you that are in this room that just don't have a desire to get closer to Jesus. There's some of you that are just unwilling to get closer to Jesus. This past week, our country reflected and celebrated the life of a man that was a giant of a man. A man that will forever be my hero. His name was Reverend Billy Graham. At his funeral, his son Ned said this about his father. He said he was faithful, he was available, and he was teachable. May we all strive to be like that, he said. Faithful, available, and teachable. If Billy Graham was teachable, I think I need to be teachable too. And I would go as far as to say we all need to be faithful, available, and teachable. The fact of the matter is, is that I have a lot to learn. We all have a lot to learn. there was one man that lived that knew it all. One man. He was God. His name was Jesus. And he came and he, he died so that he could teach us. So that he could show us how to get closer to his father. And ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing more important for you to learn and for you to be teachable in than in your walk with Jesus and embracing Jesus. Because he opens your world to so much more. B-boy, would you bow your heads? We're going we're gonna to be quick. We're going to wrap this up. I'm way past time. But as we reflect on being teachable, I want to ask you the most important question. And that is just how willing have you been to giving your heart over to Jesus? Have you wanted to? In a video recap of Billy Graham's funeral, they played a 
a few clips from some of Billy's best sermons. One of the lines that got my attention was the line where Billy Graham said this when he was preaching. He said, when you're prepared to die, you are also prepared to live. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our desire that we would, number one, prepare you to die so that you no longer have to fear that day. But that, you num- that we would, number two, prepare you to live a life that is so much more fulfilling than life without Jesus. But you have to be willing. You have to have a desire. So quickly, I want to ask you this. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one's looking around. On this birthday of our church, how many of you would say, Adam, I want to share that birthday with you and I want to be born into something new? I want to give my heart to Jesus for the first time today. How would you say, I know that my life is missing something. And it's just, it's time. It's time for me to have the desire enough and be willing enough to go 100% in with Jesus. That that chart that I just showed you, let's make that a 100 today. The thing about that chart and the thing about your walk with Jesus is that once you give your heart to Jesus, that number always needs to be a 100. My, my teachability level in following Jesus is a 100 today. Because I know that I do not have it all figured out. When you come to know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, you don't say, you're not saying you have it all figured out. You're not saying that you're going to just completely change everything that you do all of a sudden. You just acknowledge that you can't do it alone, that you need Jesus to do it for you. How many of you say, Pastor Adam, I'm willing to let Jesus do it for me. Just do me a favor. Just slip up your hand. Thank you. I see that. Yeah, somebody else. Anybody else? Thank you. How many of you say, Pastor Adam, I am willing to allow Jesus to do it for me. I saw that hand. Thank you very much. Anybody else? If you raise your hand, just do this favor with me. Repeat this prayer in your heart with your lips, right where you sit. Say, God, I know that I have done wrong. I know that because I have done wrong that I could no longer, I I couldn't, couldn't be like you. And so, God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place so that I could have a relationship with you. God, I ask the best way that I know how for you to come into my life and save me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you give God a hand today and stand with me?